We are in week three of our series, Authentic Faith. Authentic Faith. And we've been uh, looking at this theme that runs all through the Bible about the way that Jesus has designed us to live. We're a faith church. Uh, not, not a hyped faith church. We're not a, oh, you know, when something bad goes wrong, we sweep it under the carpet and just keep saying things. We're not blab it and grab it, confess it, possess it. We're not, at, you know, we're not say it at all costs. We're, we believe in what we would call authentic faith. And in week one, I described three types of faith. Faith that moves God. Uh, so three types of faith. There's saving faith, the kind of faith that you put your faith in Jesus and you become a Christian. You, you get connected to God and you begin a relationship with God. And that's, that's saving faith. And if you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer asking Christ into your life, if you're watching online, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sin and for Christ to come into your life, when you pray a prayer like that, with faith in your heart that comes from God, you will be saved, saved from hell, saved from separation from God and connected to God for eternity. That's saving faith. There's the gift of faith, which we're not focusing on so much in this message. And then there's what we call the muscle of faith. The muscle of faith. Faith's a muscle. Faith's something that we exercise, we use, we build it. And with, with faith, we move impossible objects with God. We, we, as we grow in our faith, we're able to see supernatural things happen, things that wouldn't happen in our own strength or our own ability with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the muscle of faith. And so faith, uh, faith can be, the absence of faith is unbelief. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So where there's unbelief, Jesus could do no miracles. He was restricted from doing miracles. When the disciples asked him and said, we prayed for this little boy to be healed and he wasn't healed. And they said, why was it? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. It was the absence of faith that meant that God was not drawn into that circumstance. So then outside, so obviously faith is something that we need and faith is something that God places in our heart, but you can have little faith and then develop that little faith to become great faith. And the Bible, Jesus commended a number of people for having great faith. And so I believe it's really important that we're honest with ourselves because you can pray a prayer asking God to do something, declaring that something's going to happen. But if your heart doesn't 100% believe it, if you're not fully persuaded or confident about that, you're just speaking words. Now, those words are good because they can help your heart believe. But ultimately, it's when your heart believes and your mouth confesses that, that miracles happen. So the journey of authentic faith is a heart journey expressed through our words but first and foremost it's a heart journey and so then we we looked at last week and Danielle preached here uh, and I preached in Melbourne and we preached around this whole idea that that every now and then we're going to have faith crashes Every now and then we're going to believe for impossible things and, be, and really work on our faith and sometimes be so confident they're going to happen, but they don't happen and we don't understand why they don't happen. And we're not, we're not saying just, well, forget about that. Sweep it under the carpet. Just believe, believe. When, when a faith crash happens, and I likened it to this, a torn muscle. 
See, if faith's a muscle, the way a muscle grows is little micro tears by pushing something consistently that's heavier than you can currently do. And as you do it and put stress on your muscles, then with protein and the right food, those muscles will grow. Little micro tears, and they grow and expand. But if you have a tear, you watch a football player running along and they do a hamstring and there's a not a micro tear, there's a tear in their muscle, then they have to stop running. And this is what will happen every now and then in our faith journey. We'll have a tear. We'll, something, we'll have a crash. Unexplainably, someone dies we were praying for for healing. A marriage falls apart that we were believing wouldn't fall apart for our parents or our own. Uh, we're believing for a financial breakthrough and we ended up bankrupt. So many scenarios. The life of authentic faith is not the life without disappointments. It's not a life without issues or problems. And so when our faith muscle tears, we've got to act differently than we would if we're trying to build our faith muscle. And so Danielle talked about some things here about getting real with God. Uh, the psalmist David in, one, in Psalm 142 says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for His mercy. I pour out my complaints before Him and I tell Him all my troubles. That's what getting real with God's about. Yeah. You said, and this hadn't, and this didn't. You said this, and that went on. And there's a stack of times, I think it's 22 times, David says, How long, Lord? In the midst of his delay, getting real with God, grieving with God. See, if we don't let the pain of disappointment out of our heart, then our heart, which is the center of faith, will never heal properly because it's with the heart that we believe. So if disappointment's not dealt with properly, then we'll find our heart gets cynical. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Proverbs says. Our heart will get sick. We'll find that, we'll find that our heart will harden. And then someone will stand up and talk about a miracle. And because of the undealt with pain in our life, we'll be cynical or, or critical or just think, well, that's not for me. That's for everybody else. Or, or we'll change God and try and pull him down to the level of our experience and change our theology rather than looking at the issue of our heart. And then ultimately, thank you so much, ultimately <laughs> believing in God. Ultimately, as Danielle said, we switch on thanksgiving. We switch on praise. I talked about trusting God. Trust is a higher place than, than faith. Trust is where you go, God, I don't know why that didn't happen, but I know that you're good. I know that you're for me. And I'm going to choose to worship you in spite of the darkness, in spite of the setback, in spite of my torn faith muscle, in spite of, in spite of something happening that I didn't think would happen. I'm going to choose to worship, to trust you, to trust God. Now, we've got some health people in the room. How many people? in the medical profession. Okay, when you, when you get a torn muscle, this is, this is what I learned. There's four things you do. Tell me what's the acronym. Four things, torn muscle. Rice, it's rice. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. When you tear a muscle, a faith muscle, and there's disappointment, you've got to stop trying to believe until you deal with the issue of the pain. Rest. Be in worship. This week, for some of you, conference is just going to be about resting in the presence of God. I'm not talking about resting with Netflix. I'm talking about resting with the presence of God. Okay. Rest with God. Ice. Ice. When you've torn something or, or damaged something, you don't want to put ice on. It hurts. Am I right? It's like that's the last thing you want to do. But it draws the pain out. It draws the swelling out. 
That's what getting real with God does. It's, it's journaling. It's talking. It's not trying to suppress. It's, it's not trying to ignore. Get the ice on it. God, this is how it is. It sucks and I hate it. And where were you? And what did, why didn't that happen? Get real with God. Compression. Oh, you want to run away from God's people. But you got to get close to God's people because that's where healing happens. You get together with the people of God and then elevation. Well, you got to get some mountaintop moments going on. You got to get into worship. So, God, so, so much can happen in a moment of worship, somebody. So much can happen with a moment of pain and disappointment where the presence of God can wash. He can do months and months worth of work in a moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly that traumatic experience is washed away in a moment of elevation in the presence of God. Come on, somebody say that's good preaching right now. All right, so that's us. So today we're going to bring the series home, and I want to talk today about Abraham. Abraham was the father of faith. Abraham, he's the man. He's the one that the Bible talks about that we look back to and say all of us are spiritual descendants of Abraham. He's the example. He's the one who at the years of age of 75, his wife Sarah or Sarah at that point was, was barren and God came and told him he's going to be the father of many nations. But his wife, and he and his wife couldn't even have a child. But God gave him a promise. And 25 years later, someone say perseverance. 25 years later, so many disappointments, so many delays, so many setbacks, so many trying to do it his own way. 25 years later, his wife Sarah gives birth to a child called Isaac, which comes, goes on to become the, the, the generations of the Israelites, nations. Literally what God promised came to pass. But you know what defined him as a great man of faith? Not that he got a miracle the first day he prayed. But he kept believing when nothing was happening. That's what the definition of faith is. A person who keeps believing in spite of what you can see with your natural eye. And so we're going to look at the story of Abraham together this morning. Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham. Uh, a few verses. So let's have a look at this together. This is Abraham. Even when there was no reason for hope. This is what authentic faith does. Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Next verse. We'll click, we'll click on to the next verse. Verse 19, if we can, otherwise I'll read it myself. Verse 19 in the NIV says, without weakening in his faith, we've got it. There we go. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. Everybody said he faced the fact. Faith does not put its head in the sand and pretend that the doctor's report didn't come. Faith does not put its head in the sand and believe and like, oh no, the bank doesn't really want to take my house back. That's not really true. I'm just believing God. Faith doesn't go, oh, my marriage isn't in trouble. I'm just, you know, I'm believing. Faith face the facts. Now it doesn't stay there because that will be depressing. But here's what he did. Without weakening his faith. Remember we're talking about little faith or great faith? Weak faith or strong faith? So he was able without weakening his faith to dip down into the facts and then pull back into his position of faith without weakening. 
the fact that his body was as good as dead. Oh my gosh. Since he was about a hundred years old. Come on. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. He didn't waver. He faced the fact, but he chose to believe God through unbelief regarding the promise. Next verse of God, but was, here it is, strengthened in his faith. Remember, we're looking to get strengthened, to go from weak faith to strong faith, from little faith to great faith. Abram, he was first, his name originally was Abram and God changed it. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. Turn to your neighbor and say, fully persuaded. Come on, put it in the chat if you're watching today. Say, it's fully sick that he was fully persuaded. Fully sick that he was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is the father of faith. For 25 years, he went from, he strengthened his faith. He wasn't his head in the clouds. He wasn't pretending he hadn't had a bad report. He faced the report head on, but he knew that the power of God was greater than his report. So I'm wondering, what's the key to living a life that's fully persuaded for 25 years while the answer's not coming. Who would like to know what that key is? Because he wasn't going around like a sad sack, oh no, God doesn't love me, God's turned his back against me. He was fully persuaded. And just because you're fully persuaded doesn't mean the timing's now. The test of fully persuaded is some of you are believing for a miracle at Powerhouse Conference and I'm believing with you for a miracle, but make a predetermination that if it doesn't happen at conference, I'm still, I'm still fully persuaded it's going to happen. Make a predetermination. I'll still worship. I'm coming with expectation. I'm fully persuaded. I just don't know when. That's in God's hands. In my hands as being fully persuaded. So how do we get fully persuaded? Three things we can draw from the story of Abraham. The first one is he got a promise from God. If you're writing it down, those of you who want extra bedroom in heaven, write the script, write it down, take notes. We know it's true. A promise from God. Then he got a picture from God. And then he got a proclamation from God. I'll start with P to help you remember them at lunchtime today when you're having your veggies. Remember this. He got a promise. He got a picture. And he got a proclamation. This is how you stay fully persuaded in the face of impossible circumstances. The first thing is he got a promise. Genesis 11 verse 30. Sarai was barren. That was her name before she became Sarah. She had no child. Now understand this. A faith journey usually begins with a problem. That's usually when a faith journey begins with a problem. Sarah had a problem. Your problem might be an illness or a sickness. It might be a wayward family member, a prodigal who's away from God. Your problem might be a relationship that's under pressure. Could be a financial crisis. Your business is facing, facing some significant issues. Maybe it's an unfulfilled desire that you believe you want this to happen, but it hasn't yet happened. Maybe it's an emotional or mental uh, stress or sickness that you're living under and it's a problem. Maybe you're personally racked with insecurity and have lack of confidence and you've got a problem and your faith journey is actually to get confidence, godly confidence. That's the problem. 
And here's the awesome, awesome thing. When you seek God with all your heart, when you pursue God, when your prayer life is strong, when you're in the Word of God, when you're in the house of God, you position yourself to receive a promise for your problem. Because it's a promise from God that will change everything. It's a promise. It's a word. It's a Holy Ghost whispered word that comes into your heart. It's like a seed from God. Now get this. My promise is no good for you. You need your own promise. Your parents' promise is no good for you unless you're living at home right now. But if, if, if you've left home and you're living independent, you need your own promise. You need your own word from God. You need something from God to your heart. You need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit come with a whisper. See, if you've got a problem and go Googling your problem scripture verses, that's not normally the way that God will speak a promise to your heart. I know someone who once had to get a word from God to move from one place to another that had a mountain and they just looked up a concordance and it said, we should go to the mountain. And then they showed that to their parents. Oh, I got a word. That's not a word from God. That's a scam. A word from God is when you're reading your Bible and something jumps out at you, when the preacher's preaching and a verse goes into your heart, when you're standing in the worship and you see something from God, a picture, or you have a dream or something direct, directly from God, a prophetic word comes and it's your promise. See, you could potentially walk on water, but you'd be stupid to do it unless you wanted to swim. And unless you had a quickened word from Jesus. Jesus, Peter's in the boat and he says, Lord, I want to I come out and play. I want to walk on water. You just tell me. He's not going to try and do it unless he gets a word from Jesus. And Jesus says, come, one word. That one word from Jesus goes straight to his heart, produces faith, and he starts to walk on water. What the heck? That's a word from God. A word from God puts faith in your heart. Yeah. A word from God produces a confidence right away, straight at that moment. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes how? By hearing, and hearing by what? The rhema, the quickened word of God. Not your friend's word, not your neighbor's word, not your connect group leader's word, but the word that God's speaking to you or to you and your wife or to you and your family, a word from God. Your faith journey begins with a promise. It's a seed. It's a seed that gets into our heart. Now, as soon as that promise comes, the devil tries to contend with it. Because he didn't know it was a promise, because he's not all-knowing. So as soon as he hears the prophecy, the promise, you wrote the scripture down, you told someone about it, the devil's like, I'm going to contend with that promise and try and rob it out of your heart so you stop believing. That's what he does. The persecution comes, Jesus says, because of the word. He tries to steal that seed because here's what it is. Faith is like a seed that God places in our heart. Jesus said to his disciples when they said, why can't we do a miracle? He says, because of your unbelief. He says, all you need is, uh, is faith as a mustard seed and you'll be able to say to this mountain, go here and it'll move. Now, a lot of people get that wrong. Because they go, oh, what he's saying, and there's a couple of versions that don't, don't represent the original Greek. He's not saying all you need is a little tiny bit of faith. Because that would contradict everything that Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. What he's saying is all you need is a tiny seed of the promise of God. 
All you need is a word from God to get into your heart, and then you've got to cultivate your heart so that that word can fulfill everything. That thing can grow. So you've got to, that's why faith, authentic faith's a heart thing. You've got to look after your heart. You got to, if God's given you a promise and it's a seed in your heart, you've got to look after that promise. You've got to guard that baby. You've got to weed the negative stuff out. You've got to feed it. You've got to let that thing grow until it comes to its full term. That's a word from God. It's a promise. It's a seed. It gets into your heart. Someone say, that's great preaching today. <laughs> now, here's what I love about God is once He gives you a promise and the enemy starts to attack it and kingdom reversals start to happen in our life, God doesn't just say it once. He keeps speaking to you. He keeps, He's just, I'm just reminding you, I've got that. That's why I love to be in the Word when I'm believing God for something impossible because it's almost like sometimes God will just daily go, just reminding you of your promise, just reminding you, and you have dreams and you're like, oh, that's awesome, just reminding you of the promise and you see things and you're like, oh, that, that, will, that will just keep you alive. I said this, this is going to happen and you keep the promise alive. Turn to your neighbor and say, all you need is a promise. All right, all right. The next thing that God does, this is how we get fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Authentic faith is fully persuaded. Number two is a picture. He starts with a promise, but then God knows that when everything's going wrong or when you promised a baby and you're barren and nothing's changing and nothing's happening, He knows that you need something to activate the imagination of your heart with. Because if your imagination is not activated with the promise of God and a picture then by human nature, we'll have anxious thoughts, negative thoughts. You don't have to try to have anxious thoughts. It's like weeds in the garden. They will just come. Anxious thoughts will just come. So God realizes that you need a picture of who you are or what he said to come to pass. So God comes to Abraham and we find this in, uh, let's go. He gives him two pictures, Genesis 13, verse 16. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So if anyone could count the dust, that's how many offspring you'll have. Another version says sand. God literally comes to him and goes, mate, you're in the desert. You're walking from here to there. And so every day I want you to have a picture for the imagination of your heart when the dust comes into the tent and everybody's like flipping dust what a pain I want you to say that's how many kids I'm gonna have when you walk into the tent and you're trying to sweep the sand away and then you take your sandals off and there's more sand and everyone's and your wife's like mate get the sand out of the tent buddy it's like it's all sand but anyway the wife says get the sand out he goes no that's God's promise. We're going to have that many children. I'm going to engage my faith imagination with a picture from God. Then God goes on and he says, that's obviously enough. Genesis 15, 1 to 6, the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your great reward. A sovereign Lord, this is Abram responds, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who you will inherit, my, who will have my estate is Eliza. He's like, my whole estate's going to go to my servant. I've got no children. I just love this. Let's pause that for a moment. God comes and talks to him. He says, Abram, I love you. This point, he's financially prosperous. He's blessed. He's loaded. God's blessed him. And he's like, and I'm your great reward. And Abram doesn't, he, he, he listened to Danielle's message. He's like, time to get real with God. He's like, yeah, nice try, God. 
I'm appreciative of all that stuff, but you haven't given me a child. And if you don't give me a child, all my stuff that you've blessed me with is going to go to that punk over there who's a servant. But I want it to go to my children and my offspring. He gets real with God and God doesn't fall off his throne. God doesn't go, oh, you're talking so rudely to me, son. Something in God goes, awesome. Your heart's engaged. You're not playing the game. Your heart's involved. You're, you're challenging me. You're audacious with me. And so this is how God responds, his complaint. He says, then the word of the Lord came to him. See, the word of the Lord keeps coming when you're on an authentic faith journey. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him out of his tent and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. He's, he's having a little go back at him right there. Then I said to him, so shall your offspring be. Every star. In the desert, the Middle East, you can imagine the sky is full of stars. You can't even count them. But that's how many offspring you're going to have. I'm giving you a picture so that during the day, the sand and the dust, my offspring. There's little Freddie, there's little Harry, there's little Bruce. Come on, somebody. Then I look at the stars and I go, oh, that one we'll call Isaac and that one we'll call Jacob and that one what? This is, he's got a picture to engage the imagination of his heart because God knows as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He knows if your imagination can be rescued from anxiety through to something of faith, then that is a creative way that God works. That's why he says, guard your heart. Because out of your heart flows all the issues of life. This is why, okay, let's, a little side note for another story. Uh, it is Jacob who's dealing with his father-in-law, who's ripping him off. And he's like, okay, give me all the speckled spotted sheep. And so Jacob puts up, he puts up some black and white poplar stripped plants in front of them when, we're, when they're drinking and they're mating. So the, and, and I'm like, there's no scientific reason that if sheep are looking at black and white stuff, like Collingwood jumpers, it's just not going to work for them, okay? There's no science that when they look at that, then that's going to mean that they're going to have speckled sheep. What's going on? You read a bit further on and you find out what happens. Jacob said, I had a dream. And in the dream, God told me to put, and he said, I saw speckled and uh, rods and when the sheep made it and then they had black and white sheep. Here's what happened. God visited Jacob and said, You're gonna, I'm going to produce all these uh, speckled sheep for your inheritance and I'm giving you a picture. The speckled thing wasn't for the sheep. The speckled things, the speckled rods were for, for Jacob so that he would engage his faith. And the sheep are there is like, oh, come on, speckled sheep, baby. Come on, speckled rams, baby. It's engaging his heart. God will give you pictures. He'll give you dreams. He'll, he'll, give you, he'll give you moments in your life. That's why for me, Powerhouse Conference last year, when the team said, what's, what's the theme? I began to pray into it. And I saw lightning strike from heaven. I saw God, the power of God touch us on a mountaintop. And we said, let's call it heaven touches earth. Why? Because it came from a picture. God will give you pictures. When we were believing for our house in an impossible circumstance, as I would pray the Lord, one picture I had was a, an army of angels running down the street towards this house, this miracle house we were believing for. Another picture I had was we were in warfare and there was the, the enemy was camped on top of the house and they were throwing grenades and we were 
fire, it was warfare. And then finally I saw a re- removal van backed up to the car, backed up to the house, moving the people out. All of those things I, I began to meditate on, to imagine. So with the promise and a picture, remember the whole point is to get my heart fully persuaded. Not to change just my words, but to get my heart fully persuaded and God will give you a picture. I had a dream recently. Okay, a little, little insight into my world. For about 30 years, I've had an annulated disc in my back. It, uh, it will, at inappropriate moments, it will tear, the fluid will leak out and cause agony across the, my lower back and down my legs. Uh, it's re- pretty much untreatable, so it needs, it needs a miracle. Uh, it seems to, that whenever something spiritually significant is about to happen in my life, uh, I'll, my back will just, I can, literally I can just move like that and my back will tweak and then I'm in agony. There have been some days where I get up here to preach and I'm like, just make sure, because it's really hard transition when it's like this from a sitting down to standing up make sure before I come up and preach I'm standing up so I don't walk up like a 95 year old guy okay I'm in agony some of the greatest miracles I've seen of healing is while I'm standing here in agony and I've seen people's neck healed backs healed the supernatural power of God healed because my faith is not in the fact that whether God's healed me or not that's coming my faith is in the promises and the goodness of God So I'm still believing for my miracle. So here's what God said to me. I had a dream recently and I'm praying down the line for people's backs. And, and, and this is literally what I saw. I saw a guy getting healed with his back pain and he was so pumped, he gave me a big high five. And as we did it, my back got healed at the same time. That's a dream I had. That's God giving me a promise about healing, but then giving me a picture. And so I, one of the things I've seen for Powerhouse Conference for this Friday night, I've seen the spines being healed. I don't, know if, I don't know if it's my turn to get healed, but I've seen spines being straightened, being healed. I've seen red, uh, like hot red down people's spines. That's one of the things I'm believing for. Why? Because I've seen it while I'm praying. God's given me a picture to help me with my faith because it's not the picture that will bring about the miracle. It's the faith in God, the name of Jesus and the power of God, but it's faith in my heart. So he'll give you a picture. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need a picture. The last thing he does, the last, you can see why I wanted all my time because I want to get this message out. The last thing he does, Genesis chapter 17, 1 verse 7. When Abram was 99 years old, 24 years, fully persuaded, believing God, hoping against all hope that that son who's away from God is going to come back to God. Come on, that, that dad who hasn't talked to you for 25 years, will be, you'll be able to restore that relationship. Time is not, a delay is not denial in the kingdom of God. In fact, the greater the breakthrough, usually the greater the warfare. The greater the, the, greater the pushback, the greater the warfare in your life. And so he comes to him, he's 99 years old. He says, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. I will make my covenant between you and I'll increase your numbers. He hasn't had a kid yet. He's like, well, just one would be good. Abraham fell face down. He said, as, and God said to him, he's worshiping. I love that. Abraham, although nothing's happened, he's still worshiping. He's still honoring God. 
some of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter, the hall of fame of faith people. They went to their grave not seeing what they believed. And God accounted it to them as righteousness. He'd rather you believe than give up on him and his goodness. He'd rather you believe. And this is what he says, as my covenant, you will be the father of many nations. Now, here we go. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Because Abraham literally means father of many nations. God's giving him something to proclaim over his life. He's, he's got confidence in his heart from the promises and the pictures, but God's now changing his language. Something to proclaim. Hi, my name's Abraham and I'm father of many nations. Yeah, I know I've got no kids. Yes, my name's Abraham and I'm father of many nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, getting him, he's getting him to speak about him, his future to himself, to those around him, to those he meets. They're like, oh, there's that crazy, that crazy guy. He's father of many nations. What the heck? He's rich. He's blessed. I love it when God comes to us. And sometimes we do this. I remember in a season for Danielle and I where we were really financially struggling. This would be maybe 15 years ago. We're, we're stretching. We're giving. We're believing God. And Danielle had a picture of money, um, like raining money from heaven. So we began to make a proclamation in our house. It's great if you, you can have some faith proclamations with somebody, whether it's your partner or a friend. But we began to just say, it's raining moolah, hallelujah. That's just, it's raining moolah. We, and so a bill would come in that we couldn't afford to pay. It's raining moolah, hallelujah. Come on, we've seen the picture. It's a proclamation. Another time, you know, when we're, we're in difficult points, we'll just look at each other and go, we're loaded. Not based on the bank, but based on our Heavenly Father who supplies all of our needs. Come on, babe, we've got this. We're loaded. That's probably I say it a whole lot. Just, we're loaded. This is awesome. We're good. God's got this. It's a proclamation. It's a mantra. I've been drinking my pumpkin soup and my veggie soup. You know what I call it? The taste of breakthrough. That's just what I say. Here we go. I know, I know someone else is having this. And we, we had some guests over from New Zealand and put on a full roast for them and everything. And I'm eating roast potatoes and roast pumpkin, and it's pretty good. But I was like, this is the taste of breakthrough. It's a proclamation. What are you proclaiming over your world that's an overflow out of your heart? The Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Death and life is in the power of your proclamation, what you declare, what you've got. So this is, this is how it works. This, this church, C3 Powerhouse, was a name change to be a proclamation about the destiny and calling of God on our church. Yes. Yes, we're believing God to be in Power Road so that C3 Powerhouse would be an awesome name. But even if we aren't, and I'm still believing, I've been driving there praying over it, but even if we aren't, it's a prophetic declaration. We are C3 Powerhouse. This is a place where the supernatural power of God comes. This is a place of radical salvations. This is a place of radical restoration. This is a place of radical miracles. Come on, give God some praise if you're with me. This is that place. Can we stand to our feet right now? Come on, we are C3 Powerhouse. It's a place where the power of God moves. It's a proclamation. Every time someone says, John, what's your church called? I'm like, C3 Powerhouse. Why'd you call it that? Because we believe God loves people and He wants to change their lives in every way with His power. That's why we're C3 Powerhouse. Can you close your eyes right now? 
Thank you, Holy Ghost, for your presence in this room. God, this is a faith atmosphere today. I want you to think right now, wherever you are, what's, what's the promise that God's given you? Come on, what's, what's the promise? What's that word? Not somebody else's promise, yours. It's your word. It's your promise. He's confirmed it with prophecies. He's declared it over your life through Scripture. He's whispered it to your heart. I'm asking in this atmosphere right now, Holy Spirit, and through the rest of this week, that Holy Ghost pictures will come. That hearts will engage. That person you're believing to get saved, you see them get baptized. You can engage your imagination yourself and God can supernaturally give you pictures. Come on, Holy Spirit. Pictures, pictures, pictures. Pictures, God. Prophetic pictures. Stars in the sky, sand under our feet. Come on. Lift your hands to heaven and just to begin to proclaim that what the promise and the pictures are. Just, can we get the whole band up right now? The promise and the pictures. What's God saying? What's God saying? What's he saying? Come on, just begin to say it right now. Begin to say, this is, this is what God's saying. This is what's happening in my life. This is what's happening. This is what's happening in the ministry that God's called me to lead. This is what's happening in the business God's called me to lead. This is what's happening in my family right now. This is what's happening in my, in my finances right now. This is what's happening in our health right now. This is what's happening with that prodigal right now. This is what's happening with that unsaved friend or neighbor right now. I'm proclaiming the, the truth. I'm proclaiming the principles of God. I'm proclaiming God's truth right now. We declare it right across this room. Come on, engage your voice. Faith is voice activated right now. Faith is voice activated. Come on, speak. Speak the truth. Don't worry about people around you. If we all lift our voices to God, come on online, at home, lift your voice to God. Proclaim, 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 proclaim. We declare your promises. We declare your yes and amen. We declare your favor. We declare your goodness, oh God. We proclaim it. We proclaim it. We, I'm gonna, I want us to just turn this into a prayer meeting. Come on, it's a, it's a fasting day. Come on, proclaim. We proclaim breakthrough. We proclaim healing. We proclaim supernatural turnaround. We proclaim supernatural supply. We proclaim a spirit of increase. We proclaim a new day. We proclaim the favor of God. We proclaim restoration. We, we proclaim salvation. We proclaim miracles. We proclaim all things are possible. We proclaim restoration.
salvation, to the marriage, to the family, to the family relationship. We proclaim salvation. We proclaim today the blessing of God. Come on, engage your faith right now. Engage your faith right now. We proclaim you're not done. You're not finished. Your days are not over. Your best days are ahead. Your future days are the best days. We proclaim the favor of God. We proclaim abundance and prosperity. We proclaim blessing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amazing. So good. Wow, what phenomenal preaching today. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor John. Are you fully persuaded? I know I am. I'm like, whoa, come on. So pumped. And 